Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corsion, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and super excited to dive into this episode. Before I do, though, I do want to uh, address a question that I get a lot, which is, what kind of training plan do I use, or do you have recommendations for training plans, or for a coach that I should invest in? So for me, whenever I make recommendations for anything, it's always based on things that I've used in my own running and my own career and what's worked really, really well for me. So for me, Um, Number one, I think having at least a training plan in your training is crucial to not only get great results and hit your goals, but also to progress safely. So many times, and even in my early career, I remember I would progress really, really quickly uh, in terms of distance and mileage and workouts, and I didn't know what the heck I was doing, and ultimately I ended up injuring myself, I ended up getting burnt out, and it just was not great at all. And it really was only until I started to follow a solid training plan, um, attuned to my specific race distance, my experience level, how many times uh, I had to really uh, work with in terms of a training block, all those kind of things, I really started to see myself making better progress a lot quicker, making myself be more healthy and not getting injured as many times or not feeling burnt out or mentally strung out by the training. And ultimately, I was able to hit my goals and enjoy my training block so, so much more. And on top of that too, I've even gone further and hired a coach as well. But the cool thing is, the coach that I hired is the same person who developed the training plans, which is Zach Bitter. Now, if you're familiar with Zach, and you probably are, you know that he's one of the greatest ultramarathon athletes of all time. He's the former record holder for fastest 100 mile time. Uh, he is just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to all things um, progressing and training and optimization and all those things as well. And what's super cool is he offers pre-made training plans that you can pick based on the distance you're training for, your experience level, and also how much time that you need to train for the race, which are three important pillars that I think everybody needs to get when it comes to a training plan. Plus, you know, he's coached hundreds and hundreds of athletes as well. So being able to take all that experience from not only his own racing, but also his experience of coaching others, he's able to really fine tune an amazing training plan for you to help hit your goals, whether it's a 5k or whether it's a hundred miles, he has a plan for you. And if you want to go even deeper, you can actually hire him as a personalized coach where he's going to take a plan and personalize it to your lifestyle. So that includes your schedule, your stress levels, your sleep levels, your lifestyle, your goals, everything else like that, he goes even further and personalizes it in a personalized plan and also offers calls where you can hop on with him on a routine basis to go over your training, answer your questions, and ultimately get the coaching you need. That's the package that I've used with Zach over the past year and a half, and I've seen incredible results with him uh, going from pretty much an average and mediocre runner to placing top 10 male at Havelina 100, which was one of the most stacked events last year on the ultra running circuit. So if you want to make great progress, if you want to have an awesome training plan or 
if you're looking for an amazing coach, I cannot recommend Zach even more than I already do. He is just amazing to uh, work with and just an awesome, awesome coach and uh, person to get a training plan from. So if you're interested in the training plans, go to the, the show notes and go to the link in there, which is zachbitter.com slash training hyphen plans, or you can go to his coaching options at zachbitter.com slash coaching. Again, go to the show notes, check it out, get Zach's plan for your next uh, ultra or hire him as a coach. And I promise you will not be disappointed, my friends. All right. Thank you so much again for listening. Appreciate you a ton. Now let's dive into this amazing episode here. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and I am so pumped for this episode today, not just because I've been following this guy for, for years, just following his incredible running journey, which I'll kind of go through some of his just amazing accolades on there as well. But even before this podcast, he was talking about how he's here to serve, how he's here to help, talk about his running journey, and help you become a better endurance athlete. And as you all know, this is exactly why you're here in the Everyday Ultra Podcast. So I could not think of a better guest than to have on Don Reichelt to the Everyday Ultra podcast. Now, here's a little bit about Don. Like, ready? If you don't know Don, if you do know Don, I should say his track record probably blows your mind. And if you don't know him, you're about to have your mind blown because here's why. So, he ran a blistering 1316 at Tunnel Hill 100 in 2020 as well, which was the third fastest trail 100 mile run in North America during 2020. He also set three manual treadmill world records in November 2022, which included the furthest distance in 12 hours, fastest 100 mile, and furthest distance run in 24 hours. He's been on the pe- the podium at Badwater 135. He recently finished Cocodona 250 and he represented the U.S. as a member of the 2017 Spartathlon team, which is just nuts. On top of that, he's got tons of other first place and podium finishes all along, such as the Keys 100 miler, Cold Water Rumble 52 miler, and the list goes on and on and on. So I have the honor to present Mr. Run With Don himself, Don Reichel, to the Everdell Podcast. Don, thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate you. And you're calling in from beautiful Silverton, which has yeah. me jealous and probably everybody else listening. But hey, thanks for tuning in for Silverton, man. I appreciate Man, I I gotta bring you around with me, like as my hype man. That was <laughs> that was quite the intro. It's like holy crap! Like sometimes you forget. Like it's so easy to be short sighted and look and like like forget that like and this like I don't mean this to sound egotistical, but hearing you, it's like damn, I've done some cool shit. And sometimes you forget about it. So um, thank you for that. This is this is an honor to be on here. Like these, I feel like your people are kind of my people, um, and so I'm I'm really stoked to have this conversation. Absolutely, man. And I'm stoked to have you on. And I feel the same exact way. Like I told uh, for everyone listening, Don and I were talking beforehand and I was telling him, I was like, you are the perfect guest for the Everyday Ultra podcast. And I mean that because I think it's going to be awesome. And what was super cool, we were kind of talking about this beforehand too, but I was doing some research and listening to other podcasts you've been on. And it was really tough for me to find podcasts that covered your extensive background. And I know you mentioned like, that's something that we want to talk about in here. And I'm just so curious because, you know, you have an amazing resume when it comes to running. And I always love to dive into those runners and say, like, you know, what made Don Don? Like, what made, you know, the amazing successes today? So tell us about what got you into the sport of ultra running before, you know, the Badwater podium, before the Tunnel Hill fast time, before the treadmill, all that stuff. Like, take us back to how you got started into running. Yeah, and I think think that's that's one of the unique uh, experiences that I've gone through is that I didn't wake up one day and sign up for ultras and win them. Right. So it's been a long process to, to get to me to where I was. I didn't run in college. I, I, um, I, I was overweight. I got into triathlon after college and um, 
that kind of put me on the journey. So I, I got into triathlon and I've always kind of had this go big or go home mentality. And so triathlon meant, okay, I'm going to do an Ironman. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I didn't know how to swim, but I'm going to do an Ironman. Let's do it. Let's do hard things. And this has kind of been the theme of my life. It's like, I, let's see if I can get it done. So I did a handful of Ironman races and then it just kind of got boring. Right? It just, I hated swimming. I didn't enjoy it. And I had a friend that was running the Leadville 100 as part of Leadman. And I, I just moved to Colorado from Chicago and I said, I'll pace you. And he's like, great, you're going to run 28 miles over this mountain. And I was like, great. I've never run more than 26 miles in my life. I don't know what I'm doing. And it was an amazing experience, like totally, like literally life-changing experience to pace uh, my friend Ed, um, who's 53 and doing Leadman again this year because he's a total badass. Um, but so I, I, I paced him and I said, holy crap, I'm going to do that next year. And literally committed to doing Leadman the next year, which for anybody that doesn't know Leadman, it's literally all the races in Leadville for the summer. So the, the running and the mountain bikes So you do a trail marathon and 50 milers and a hundred mile mountain bike and then a 10K run and then a hundred mile run. And then the hundred mile bike and the hundred mile run are back to back weekends. So it's like, I mean, it's just, you're going to have your legs ripped off. And I don't know what I was doing. And I was um, really stupid and almost didn't finish any of those races. Like I was bad, back of the pack bad, but I damn, did I enjoy the the process of like, training and, and like, feeling and struggling. And, um, and, you know, it's kind of, it kind of lit that match of like, I'm not good at this, but I feel like this is one of those things that if I just try really hard and I commit, I can probably be decent. Like, I don't think I'll ever, like, I was thinking back in the day, I don't think I'll win a race, but like, I love the process. And I think, like that is the story of going from, you know, back of the pack to middle of the pack, then all of a sudden to the front of the pack and, um, you know, to the, to the resume that you listed off is just not necessarily loving the destination, but I've loved the journey. Like I've loved the process of getting out and going on those runs after work when it's, you know, six o'clock dark and a little bit rainy and there's nothing you want to do less than run and you do it anyways. And that, that in a nutshell is just kind of, the process that I've gotten to today. And it's just one, 100 after the another, and just saying like, wow, I learned something from this race or I learned something from this run, or I, I had a workout that totally kicked my ass and I learned something from it and I got better because of it. And it's just, man, it's been a 10 year journey now. Um, which is, which is kind of wild. Not, not quite, I guess. Um, it's a, I guess an eight and a half year journey, um, of ultra from back of the pack now to the, the front of the pack. And, um, yeah, I've just been trying, I, I got into sport, not because I wanted to win stuff. I wanted to experience, I wanted to try things. And that's why when you said like, I, I've done treadmill records, I've done fast hundreds, I've done two fifties, I've done freaking cruel jewel, which is the meanest race on the planet. And it's not fast. Like I try everything, right? I don't, I don't sign up for these things to win. I sign up for to experience, to try something that I don't know I can do. And that's, I, I, I guess I, I probably have gotten off track from the original question. Cause I'm just so chatty, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a process. It's been a journey. And I, I've just really loved the the process and the steps every step of the way. And I'm, I'm just so happy to be where I'm at today and have learned what I've learned along the way. Dude, that is amazing, man. It's so like, it's so crazy, but awesome to hear at the same time that, you know, you started out back of the pack, like just in really just kind of figuring things out and to see where you are today. And I love that you tie that kind of whole journey together on like the love of the process, right? You mentioned you weren't in it for the wins or anything like that. You were in it for the process. So I want to dive into what that process was, right? So you mentioned that 
you didn't run to like be on the podium or anything like that. So that never was that like never, I guess, like a thought when you were first starting out, like, were you ever like, you know, I want to eventually get like, you know, 13 hours at, you know, Tunnel Hill or I eventually (laughs) wanted to like, was there any inkling or did you just kind of like progress along the journey? Like talk to us about like what that progression in terms of mindset looked like. So I've, I've always, I've always been driven very intrinsically by curiosity. So what that means to me is that, okay, I did my first hundred and I was simply that first time curious if I could finish. And that was what mm-hmm. drove me. And the next time it was, okay, I finished Leadville as my first hundred. What if I did a hundred with maybe a little bit more vert? So I went to Bighorn. Okay. I was a little faster there too. Okay. Okay. Then it lit a match. Okay. Like it lit that fuse of like, okay, I like going fast. I don't necessarily love this big mountain stuff, but man, I like going fast. So I wonder if I, like, I wonder how fast I can go. So I went and I signed up for a couple of flatter, faster hundreds. My first fast hundred was t- the first time I did tunnel Hill. I ran 1627. Um, and I was like, okay, that at the time was like, holy shit. Like that is so fast. But then, Hmm, can I run faster? And so then I, 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 I got, you know, I went to that, that time got me on to Spartathlon. And then I went and I ran another 16 and a half at keys, which was, you know, 110 degrees and 90% humidity. And then I was like, okay, I bet I can do bad water. And so, right. So again, the curiosity drove me. It's like, well, if I can run a hundred miles in unbelievable hot and humid climates, I wonder if I can run 135 miles to the hottest place on the planet. Um, and I did. And I was like, okay, I, there might be something to this. That's kind of that, that bad water. Like I still remember to this day, they have film crews out there and they, like, I was running in, I ended up in third place, but I was running in that second and third mode, like almost the whole day. Um, Cause I just went for it. Like, screw it. Like I'm going to shoot my shot. I'm going to see what happens. And the film crew kept asking my crew. They're like, does this guy belong there? Like, is, <laughs> does, did you expect him to be up here? And I, I remember they told me, they're like, we keep, they keep asking like, like, do you know what you're doing and all this stuff? And I was like, it kind of lit that fire under my ass. I'm like, hell yeah, I know what I'm doing. And of course I didn't, but um, they didn't know that. And they're like, yeah, he's supposed to be here. He's meant to be here. Um, and it's just, man, it's, it's, it's been wild. Um, it's just been wild. Dude, that is incredible. And it's so cool to see that like progression happened like pretty quickly like into it but i'm sure there was a lot of work that went into it right like i'm yeah. sure like there was a lot of things right like to to run a six like a 16 30 ish like 100 miler i mean that's fast by any regards too what do you think like got you to you know really go from back of the pack to running like 16 30 yeah. like were there things that like did you shift in your training or like did you maybe like hire a coach? Like, I don't, I actually don't know yeah. for anyone listening. Yeah, this so, is not a point of question. <laughs> no, there's, there's a couple of things. And I say, um, the first one was just the mindset of, I wanted it. I go, I, that, once I got that curiosity of, can I, it was like, I bet I can, if I bust my butt and I go after it. So mm-hmm. I believe very strongly in life that if you want to achieve something, go out and find somebody that can help you. Like figure out where those areas there are in your life that you can get one or 2% better just by getting help. Um, and so I've, I've been lucky that I've, I've had some amazing coaches that I went out and hired to, to help me. I've like, I've worked with a dietitian to help me. Like I just wanted it, right? If you want something, you'll go out and you'll find somebody that can help you. 
And I don't necessarily mean like everybody's going to just give you stuff for free, but I like hired people. Like I, I wanted it. It was worth it to me. Whatever I paid, like I wanted to, I still didn't know what I wanted, but I wanted to be better. Like I didn't, mm-hmm. I couldn't, I still at this point say, I, I didn't want to win. I didn't want I just knew I wanted to be better. And I knew to do that. I needed help. I didn't know what I was doing. I was still new to the sport. Like I was two, three years in and I didn't run. I was, I was 30 something years old at that point. Like I'm, I'm old. I got into the sport old. Uh, my first ultra was when I was 29. Um, and so like, let's fast track it. Let's get help. So I, I, I got a, a good coach um, that, that, that helped me get to where I, I started at launching point and I've, I've worked with a couple different coaches since then. Um, but man, like the biggest thing that I've done is I've, I dedicated to the process. I said, like, look, like I said before, like there are days that I'm not going to want to run. And if I want to be better, whatever that meant, I still probably didn't know. I just, I need to go out even, even just get out of the door, like whatever. It's like the days that you don't want to run, commit to a 10 minute run. What's amazing, if you go out and commit to a 10-minute run on the days that you don't want to leave the door, by the time you get to the end of five minutes, you're going to do the rest of your run 99 times out of 100. But just commit mm-hmm. to that first five minutes. And if you go out five minutes and you still don't want to run, go back. Right. It's 10 minutes, whatever. It was a 10-minute run. Um, so those are things that I just, that mindset that I commit to. And to this day, I'll tell everybody, the only elite skill that I have, I'm not a good runner. I'm not a fast runner. I've never run a fast 5K. I never done much the only elite skill that i have is my mindset and my uh, my just determination to just outwork people if i have to dude that's so good first of all i love the, the fact that you wanted to accelerate your success i love the way that you put that right by getting a coach right because we can all learn by trial and error and sometimes failure is great but like you know, it's like that, that famous proverb or adage or whatever you want to call it that says like, you know, a smart man learns from his mistakes and a wise man learns from others' mistakes. And the way that we do yeah. that is by hiring on a coach, right? So super cool to see that in there, man. And I love that you talk about mindset being a big part, right? Showing up on the days you don't want to, being able to lean on that grittiness and kind of mental toughness. Do you think like that consistency was one of the biggest things of your success? Like, and, and that yeah. mindset, I guess, like how much of it was like mindset versus physical? I'm sure they both played a role in it, but like, what were some things you had to level up, I guess, in both buckets that, you yeah. know, really got you to progress as an athlete and a person? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I don't want to sit here and say that, that I, I don't have some kind of talent, right? Like I, I, I don't want to totally diminish that there, there is some innate ability that I've been given that, but, but. I feel like I worked my ass off to, to, to squeeze every ounce out of that lemon that's possible. Um, and so, so that, you know, that's, that's one thing. And then I, I don't know, I totally kind of got off track with your question. Um, to be totally honest. <laughs> no, no, you're all good. It was just more so like, but I love that, like of, of, you know, not just like weighing one thing in like mental or physical, but when we look at like both of those things, is there like oh, yeah. one, yeah. Like in yeah. each of those buckets, <laughs> like what did you do to progress? No, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the mindset thing was, was probably the biggest. I think, you know, there's, there's this old, um, Ken who founded Leadville race series. He's really famous for saying like the hardest distance in Leadville is, is the six inches between your ears. And I heard mm-hmm. him say that the day before my first ever hundred. And it's really stuck with me for, for eight years now. And I've thought about like, man, like if I can be better in those six inches between my ears, like I can just, I can quit less. I can show up more. Uh, I can, I can hurt more than other people and be willing to not slow down. And, and so that's, so I tell people, it's like, I'm not fast, but I just slow down less than other people because I'm willing to suffer more than, uh, before the, more than most people at the end of the races. So it's like, I, 
I, I always say like, I won't go out with the lead pack, but my hope is that they slow down more than I do. And I catch up at some point. Um, and so there's, so, so physically like I've, I've, I've worked my ass off to get to where I am physically. I, 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 to this day, I've, I've been changing and tweaking and learning. I'm really big on N of one research. So just learning about my body to the, mm-hmm. every single day. I mean, we're talking, um, I use my HRV and my sleep scores to pick out a pillow and to change my diet and to stop drinking. And because like the data says do X, Y, and Z. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty in tune with what my body needs. I've started as I get into my late thirties, um, now I'll be, I'll be 38 in a couple months. Like just, um, adding more strength. Cause I know my body needs the strength training. Cause once I didn't have it, it was, uh, it, I was starting to just get these little injuries creeping in. And so I, I, I do a couple of dedicated strength sessions a week and I keep my mileage a little bit lower than I used to. So I, I think the biggest thing I've learned that intersects the physical and the mental is just don't have a rigid mindset of what, what it takes to be successful. So I've evolved my training, my, my work, how I've trained, what I've done, um, at pretty much every year for the past eight, nine years to get to where I am today and to stay where I want to be. Um, so I think a lot of people get very rigid in their thinking that says like, Oh, this is the only way you need to train. Um, I, I think that like we have so much data at our disposal today that like everything can get data. I mean, you have like inside tracker and blokes and things that can give you blood draws on on demand. You have, you have aura. My aura ring is, is important. You have heart rate monitors, you have sleep monitors, you have mattresses that can check your sleep. Like we have so much data. Um, use it to, to, to tweak things, right? If, if you're doing the same training every single day and nothing's changing, look at the, look at the data, make a change and see if it, if it changes. Cause I, I, I went vegetarian because I wasn't mm. sleeping well. Um, I, I, I realized that the days that I had mostly red meat, I, I wasn't sleeping well and I was perform, performing poorly the next morning. So that was a fit. That was a change that I made to my diet. And then I, I followed it up with a blood draw and said, okay, I'm going to check every three months. And if the blood says to go back and eat meat, I'll eat meat. But to this day, it hasn't said that. And it's been a year and a half. So I, I think, I feel like I've gotten really long winded on this, but the, the real idea that I've gotten to where I am today is just, just, I haven't been rigid in my thinking. I've been flexible. Um, I've been dedicated and determined to, to, to growing. And I was open to whatever that might look like. I, I, I just want to grow. I don't care I don't, I don't need to say, Oh, I, I want to run this faster. I want to do this stronger. I just want to grow. And I'm allowing myself to just kind of be a little bit flexible with what that means. So fucking good because I think it's that flexibility. It sounds like that allows you to be open to what it takes to be successful, right? Because if, if it's easy to have that idea of this is the perfect training plan or these are the perfect workouts, right? If we have that fixed, we're only going to get as good as those workouts or that training philosophy is going to get us. And if we want to do different things, which I'm sure we'll touch on, like how you kind of do all these different things like a Cocodona or Cruel Jewel or Tunnel Hill or Badwater, all very unique races, or even Kawhi 50 coming up, which is just, you know, entirely different than all those things that I mentioned too. You have to have that flexibility in there. I want to, I also want to touch on that physical piece that you mentioned of looking at the data, but just one kind of leaning on the mental thing a little bit more. You mentioned that you have this ability to suffer. So when you are suffering in a training run, in a race, yep. talk to me what's going through your head and how you, how do you personally yep. not slow yourself down inside those, those inches between your ears? Because I think that's something that I've always been intrigued on because yep. I think the fittest people in the world can't get 
anywhere unless they get this yeah. right. And it sounds like you do. So tell us about that. So the first thing I want to say about that is I think it's really important to point out that everybody suffers in an ultra and everybody at some point is going to go through a low point that slows them down. So don't think mm -hmm. that you look at the elites and they're going faster. Don't think that they're not going through a low point. The only thing that they have that's different is they have the ability to get out of it faster. Um, that is what mm -hmm. I've noticed is, is that the big, the big difference between, you know, going on and winning a race and maybe dropping back or even not finishing is, is getting out of those low points. So, so I think a lot of people try to just avoid the low points. And to be totally honest, I think that's bullshit. I, I, I think you're going to go through a low point. If you're running for like, hell, if you're running for freaking 250 miles, you're telling me I can completely avoid a low point. Like there's <laughs> no way in hell. Um, the key is acknowledging and being aware that you're in a low point and having multiple strategies to get out of it. And so what I mean by that is like, I, I, I have lots of different like tools in my toolbox and arrows in my quiver that I can use and they don't all work. Uh, some will work sometimes, some won't work the other times, but I have enough that one of them is sure to help and get me through it. Um, uh, so, so things that I like to do, I have probably the most, the most important thing to me. And I, I recommend everybody that's going to run an ultra to do this is go to your, your closest friends and family members, um, keep it, you know, to 10 or 15 and get them all to give you one song that means something to them. Um, mm -hmm. it can be a song that, sh that you share together. It can be like any song, put that on a playlist. Um, that playlist, I call it my suffer playlist. Like when I am going through it and I just need to change my emotions, I put that sucker on. Like when I am really suffering and, and don't like, there are some songs on there that nobody in a million years would guess were on a, like a competitive athletes playlist. Like there's songs that to me, they're not necessarily meant to make me want to run through walls. They're made to make me feel something like that. Like they, hmm. they, they shift the emotion. So there's a, there's a song on there that that um, reminds me of my grandma who passed away some years back. Mm. And it makes me cry like every time I hear it. But I guarantee if I'm going through something bad and that song comes on, that 100% of the time is going to give me an emotional shift. And it's going to change. Like it, it, And it could be the catalyst that then gets me to that next emotional shift to get out of it. But all of a sudden, I'm not... I'm not throwing that pity party about how sad I am that, you know, I, this hill is longer than I thought it was, or it's steeper than, you know, whatever or it's rockier. I'm thinking about my grandma, man. Like, like that it, it's emotional, but it's not a pity party. And so it's a, it's a step in the shift. And then like, like I have the song, my wife walked down the aisle on like that's an emotional shift, right? It reminds me of my wedding day. And then there are some songs that are just like, you know, Eminem till I collapse that are like, all right, let's run through some, some freaking walls. <laughs> um, that my buddies put on, but either way, every song on that makes me think of a, a friend, a family member or somebody. And then it starts that emotional shift of, um, you know, what can I think about with that person or, you know, what are the good times what are the memories, um, and things like that. So that's, that's, that's probably my biggest strategy or advice that works a lot of times. Um, I have a, I have songs on that playlist that are dedicated to my dogs It'll remind me of my dog. So I've, I've created this mythical, this fake run club. My, so I have two dogs. Um, I lost my, we had three and I lost my, my, my old hound back in October. And, um, uh, so we have two dogs right now and they're both rescues. One's name is bean and one is sprout. So they're bean sprout together. Um, right there. They're these two rescue bully breeds. They're, um, unbelievable dogs. 
but those dogs love to run more than like any creature that I've ever been around in my life. Like there's nothing in the world that loves anything more than those dogs love to just run. And so I have this mentality. I call it the bean sprout run club. Like when I'm like, like not happy to be running. All I think about is those two dogs, man. And it's like, you know, like how can I harness? And so it's like, all right, bean sprout run club, let's go. You got to get me through this hill. And then it's like, I just, I, I, I play a song dedicated to my dogs and I run and it's like, so, so that's another, so I'm, I'm really big on the emotional side of getting out of a low spot because it is, it is an emotional spot, right? You're, you're generally, when you're going through it, it's, it's woe is me. This is awful. I don't want to do this anymore. Right. Like you're, you're just having that pity party. But if you could find something that gives you an emotional, emotional switch, that just changes that, that story just a little bit for me, it works almost all the time. So that's, that's a, that's probably the biggest piece of advice that, that I have to anybody listening that's thinking about getting into ultra is think about what that, what that emotional switch is for you. Like what could you do in a low point to, to feel a different emotion other than pity, suffering, sadness, regret for signing up, what, you know, whatever, whatever that emotion is, just figure it out because that's, that one's really helped me a ton. Yeah. And I love that so much for so many reasons. Number one, so unique. Like I haven't, I think sometimes like when we listen to or hear like mental strategies, they're usually like similar to what we hear, right? Like remember your why and everything, but I love how you curate a playlist that has emotional meaning. And the other thing I really appreciate about that answer too, Don, is that, you know, it's not just the typical kind of like, let's get fired up and crush our enemies. And like, it's, it's like a beautiful state of emotion that you're shifting into. Like you're thinking about your family, you're thinking about your loved ones. Like it's harnessing that like pure, like just light energy as opposed to like, and, and I'm guilty of this. Like sometimes like when I get into that suffer mode, it's always that like dark kind of energy, but sometimes that's not the thing that gets the shift all the time. Right. Like, would you agree with right. that or curious to hear totally. what you think about that? Yeah. I, it's, it's, I find that I respond better to like run through the wall and cut off heads and stuff when I'm already kind of <laughs> feeling good and I need to just put a, put a push on. But when I'm low, it's like, man, just anything that's emotional that switches that flip for me. Um, so that's one. So the other, the other strategy and I, I, I won't spend as long on this one, but I, I find no, it to please, be almost do. equally equally as effective for me. And I learned this from um, an amazing sports psychologist, Dr. Justin Ross. Um, he's unbelievable. He's a Boston qualifying runner himself, but it's, it's, like, a, it's like almost a moving meditation. Um, hmm. So you're going to focus on a couple of deep breaths and then you're going to look for um, objects and you can kind of make it up as you go. And there's, there's probably a more rigid way of doing it, but I go like a couple of deep breaths and then find you know, three different types of trees and then a couple of deep breaths and then find three different animals, birds. And this could take, you know, miles, right? Like, who knows if you're out there um, and then three more breaths. And then um, think about like three, like positive intentions for the next few miles. And it can really help reset it. And in a kind of a parallel version of that is simply just instead of defining like, okay, I have, I'm going to run, I want to run this mile in like eight minutes or 20 minutes or whatever it is. Be like, man, for the next mile, I'm going to count how many birds I can see. And I do this on a lot of my week to week runs, like days that I don't necessarily want to go out. Like, I'll just be like, you know what? I'm going to define success of this run by trying to get more than 10 different types of birds. Or like, I want to see at least I live in the middle of nowhere up in the mountains. Like I want to see at least three deer. Uh, right. It's like, it's like just like finding the shift of redefining success into something that takes your mind away from running. 
I find to be very helpful and very powerful because all of a sudden you're going to be like, holy crap, it's been an hour. I found 18 birds and I just passed like four people because I'm just looking at birds instead of the trail and they're suffering and I'm not. Um, it, it's, it's a really cool one that I like. That's awesome. And I can see how that can probably get you like out of like your head sometimes, which can sometimes be the worst place to be, right? Yep. Like when, to your point, you're thinking about why did I sign up for this shit? Or like, oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. my legs are hurting yeah. or um, my stomach is like all fucked up right now. Sometimes like the best place to be is not in here. It's kind of out there yeah. looking around, right? right? Because at the end of the day, that in the core is why we do it. Like, I don't care if you're mm. there to win or there to get last place or just to show up. We're there to be outside, to be in nature. And I, I learned this the, the hard way is that a couple of the times, specifically Spartathlon running across Greece, I was so focused on performance, like trying to like hit mm -hmm. targets and goals. People were like, oh my God, did you see that? Like that church at the top of the hill from 1300 that's half wrecked. I'm like, nope, didn't see it at all. Mm -hmm. I miss so much. And I'm like, damn. And this is where it goes back. It's like, I'm not there to win. Like, yeah, if that's a byproduct of me having a good time in nature, great. That's amazing. But I'm there to see stuff. Why I'm going to Hawaii. Like, I didn't, like I've been to Hawaii once in my life. It was for work. Like, this is going to be fun. My wife and I have been married for almost six years. We've never been on a honeymoon. This is the closest thing we'll ever get to a honeymoon, going to Hawaii for a week. Like, it's going to be awesome. Um, hell yeah. I happen to be running a 50 mile race. It's probably going to tear my legs off and that'll be beautiful and wonderful. And I'll love every freaking minute of it, but you bet your ass. I'm going to be looking around and be like, Oh my God, like there's that thing. Um, and it's a loop race. So it's going to be like, Hey, like let's find something new this lap that I didn't see last lap. And that's, that's, what's going to drive me for that. You know, it's four laps for 12.7 mile loop. So my goal is by lap four to still be like finding like deep down stuff that I didn't see in lap one. Interesting. So like for those loop things, like it's, it's, do you feel like that helps with the monotony of just like oh, going yeah, through yeah, yeah. like those kind of like yeah. loops and loops and loops? Like, is that, is that like a strategy you employ for those things? Yeah. Especially for something like a backyard race. And I've done a couple of them. Yeah. Um, like literally my crew giving me an assignment every lap, like, okay, if you have 4.16 miles, go, go count birds, go count, you know, trees. Um, I I'll name trees and be like, Hey Fred, the next time through, like just trying to like literally create a different mentality than head down running hard. Um, mm. this is supposed to be fun and I don't care what pace you're running. Like, I don't even care if you're walking, like whatever you're there to have fun, have fun, define it. If you're not having fun, figure out a way to have some fun. I I'll tell you like at a big backyard, um, at the, the last man standing world championships in oh god what year is that 19 18 19 i was there and um i had a really bad day first of all i tore my interior tibialis at mile seven Ooh. and i ran another 120 something miles on a foot that i couldn't really bear weight on holy shit really bad day but like i like there's this tree on lazarus lakes property that kind of like loops onto the trail and you if you aren't paying attention it'll hit you and it was it was like it was kind of being a dick. Like the tree was just being a bit of a dick. And so my wife has this cousin, his name is Greg and he's a bit of a dick and like funny, like he's a good guy, but he's a dick. And, uh, and so I named the tree Greg. And so every time I went by, I was like, fuck you, Greg. And, um, it gave me like a laugh, like a belly laugh every time through. And I'm in like unbelievable pain, but I'm laughing cause I'm like flicking off this tree that I named Greg. And then I would tell him like, ah, oh, you know, I swore at Greg again. 
That is awesome. And oh my, because I was going to ask, like, my follow up question was, how the hell did you run with a foot like that? But it's as simple as just keeping that laughter and like yeah. just keeping that good spirits, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it, once I knew I was crossing into the boundary of permanent damage, I, I, I called it a day. Um, but I, I can manage the pain for a while. And then I just started falling down. Like, the pain got so bad, I would just fall. And I was like, okay, game over. Um, but yeah, you just think out, outward. It's so it's hard. And this is one of those things that you have to like you train your legs to run faster. You have to train your mind to go elsewhere. Um, it, we get trapped in and I've even been down this road recently with Cocodona training is it's so easy to put headphones in every time you go run and listen mm-hmm. to music or I, lo- I love audiobooks. I really love an audiobook, but it's teaching your brain to to not really have to work through tough things. So I like commit to whatever the distance run is anything below that leave the headphones at home for me it's it's an hour and 15 minutes like if i'm over an hour and 15 i'll bring headphones i won't listen to stuff the whole time but i'll have them as an option if it's under an hour and 15 i'll leave them at home i won't even give myself the option because i want to be able to just like i'm bored and then start looking out and training my brain to count trees to look at birds to hear sounds um and honestly to appreciate how freaking beautiful this world is like we're out running. Like how much of a privilege is it that we get to go outside and run? Like why, why do you need to bring a distraction with something that beautiful around you? You get to do this. There are people in this world running from shit that you and I will never imagine like genocide and war and crimes and stuff. And we get to show up because we want to just go run for fun. That's a privilege, man. That is amazing. Go appreciate the world. It's, it's beautiful. Dude, that's amazing. I I love that you tie in the gratitude and all of these like beautiful emotions like into the side of managing our mentality when it comes to it. I even love the headphones thing too because I will say like I've been leaning on the headphones a lot lately and it is interesting because I did probably my first run without music in a long time like last week and it's crazy because then, you know, I was like, wow, I'm like starting to feel like a little bored and I was like, wait, like... (laughs) <laughs> what, what is going on here? I need to, I need to right. listen without music a lot more. Right. So yeah. I, I feel like your tip is coming timely for me for sure. Because again, like it trains your mind to yep. handle the boredom, the difficulty, whatever feelings that it is without that external kind of thing of, you know, music. Right. Yeah. And we live in a world where there's a distraction everywhere mm-hmm. and you can lean into it. Right. We have social media on our phones. And how many people just death scroll and you're like, Holy crap, I've killed 35 minutes. And I, I become guilty of this just like everybody else, but you're, you're almost like forgetting that your brain is a very powerful computer itself. And you're like forcing it to be distracted with lots of stuff. But if you just go out, like don't, don't stack your distractions. If you're using run Mm -hmm. as a distraction to get away from a hard day of work, don't add another distraction on top of it. Allow your brain to process one distraction. And, And I'm, I'm not sitting here saying I'm perfect at this, right? Like I, I struggle with it too. I wake up in the morning. I, try to like put down my phone and I can't because there's something going on that I probably don't even care about. Um, but like think about the, the, the number of distractions you really need. And, and especially with running, like try it, just try. It is hard. Like you said, like, it's like, Whoa, there's a lot of stuff around. I, I know when I, I run the same freaking loops, like three days a week in my neighborhood. And when I go without music, I notice stuff that I've never seen before running it for mm. three years. Like, Wow. Did that house just go up? That looks like an old house that I've never seen before. Like, where did that shed get put in? Um, so it's just, it, it's, I'm not poo-pooing music. I like music. I like audiobooks. I like podcasts when I run. 
but te- like challenge your brain because your brain will be challenged on race day and challenging it on, you know, your quote unquote practice days will help you get through those hard times during a race a little bit better. And then music becomes a huge benefit instead of just bringing mm. you to baseline where you need it to just start all of a sudden that suffer playlist that you're putting together becomes this like massive silver bullet. That's like, man, nobody else has what I have right now because they're all listening to music and I'm about to just go rocket fuel on their ass. So good because then music becomes the norm. Right. And then like, if yeah. your headphones die, then you're like fucked, but well, you it, do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. But instead of like, it's almost like a caffeine taper from like a physical thing, right? Like 100%. people taper off from caffeine so that when they do take it in a race, it's charging, but it's not like baseline, like your baseline cup of coffee, which it, you know, is no longer a tool at that point. It's just right. like maintenance. Yeah. It's just my, like, yeah, I, I, I do a caffeine taper for the same reasons too, because I don't, hmm. I don't want the, I don't want four cups of coffee to just bring me to my baseline. I want that four cups of coffee at mile, you know, two ten to be able to, to, to get me through the finish of a two fifty or something like that. Oh my gosh. That is awesome. Now speaking about training too, cause we're, we're kind of talking about like different events and stuff. And I, I love what you talk about training your mind and, and we you so many great tools. Like I thought these was, a, this is amazing between the suffer playlist and being present and observing the things the, and I was talking to you this before the podcast too. The thing that I find so interesting about your journey is that like you don't lock into one specific thing. A lot of times when I think there's, you know, in ultra running, it's, it's very easy to get specialized, right? It's like, yeah, people are known as the, the, uh, fast and flat guy. People are known as the mountain guy, but you, you push your limits and you kind of go out all these things. So I'm curious, like for you, like when you look at any race and this is more of like a, kind of like a broad high level question, right? Like take the Kauai 50, Coca-Dona, like any of those things. When you look at that kind of race, like what are the things that kind of go into your head when you're like, okay, here's how I'm going to approach my training here. Here's how I'm going to kind of lay it out. Like, how do you do that knowing that, you know, you could be going into something you've never done before potentially? Yeah. I think for me, it's, it's the curiosity uh, and going back to that word I used before of, Mm -hmm. of just like, I know I can run a fast, flat hundred. Mm-hmm it doesn't really spark joy in my life to go out and do another one. Um, what does spark joy is, can I train for a two fifty? something I've never done before? Like I, can I get through it? Can I survive? Can I manage to sleep the, the food, the food, the crew, like that to me is curious. And I, I said it before and it, it's really gotten me to where I am today is I never got into the sport to win races. Right. That was never the goal. That's just been a byproduct here and there of, of just, enjoying things and i think knowing that my goal hasn't ever been to get in to just dominate and win races it frees me up to to enjoy whatever the hell i want more like i don't mm. have to be known as and, and don't get me wrong when i signed up for something like a coca or a cruel jewel people are like wow that's out of your wheelhouse like i do have a wheelhouse and the people are aware that like generally flat and fast is going to be my bread and butter um but that doesn't like I don't know. Like it's, I just don't want to be on my deathbed later in life and being like, damn, could I have run 250 miles? Like Mm -hmm. instead of running the same flipping fast race three times a year for eight years, like that just, that doesn't appeal to me. I want to diversify my running experiences and feel like when I'm ready to check out of this world, I have a really diverse binder of experiences that I can be really damn proud of. And that's, that's what motivates me to do shit that I know I'm not going to be good at. And I'm, I'm okay 
hell, I'm okay finishing last. I'm not going to like it, but I'm going to like the process that it took me to get there. So good. And again, I love your emphasis on the process because that's like the most important thing, which is just so awesome. And, and you're right. It does. It is a freeing thought to know that you're not pigeonholed into one specific bucket or type of races. Cause like yeah. if you do want to have like a bucket list race, like a Coca donor or something, but you know, you want to stick to what you're good at for the sake of keeping podiums or, you know, keeping kind of like the wins and stuff, it can get like super tough. Um, in terms of like the, the nitty gritty kind of process of like what it comes to, you know, learning to get right. So let's just say for someone who's listening, whether it's their first ultra or whether, you know, they are maybe more fast and flat kind of runner and they're going like mountainous stuff. Like, obviously like it, you, I know you mentioned tapping into coaches, but like, what yeah. are the, like the, the different things in your training that you specifically do to help you to really make a lot of progress in that specific type of training yeah. that you're looking to master for that race? So whenever it comes to progress, I always feel like it, like putting a, an asterisk on that word is if because mm. some people get frustrated when they don't make progress or they're not where they want to be. And I, I think that's unfair to themselves. And so mm. I, I, I say this to a lot of people is like, don't don't compare your chapter one to somebody else's chapter 10. Mm. Right? Like you have to be honest with where you are. And it's OK to say I want to be further, but just be okay with where you are. And that allows you to, to goal set realistically. Um, I think a lot of people get in trouble because they're like, well, I want to win the Leadville 100. I want to win a race. Okay. Well, you just started running like a week ago. It's, <laughs> is it possible in four years, three years, two years? Yeah, absolutely. This year, maybe not like, let's just be realistic. And, and, and I'm not like trying to disparage anybody for having big audacious goals. I love big audacious goals. Like I, I thrive on them. They've gotten me where I am today, but you need to be realistic on like timelines and timeframes of progress and growth. Um, mm. So that's, that's always that asterisk. Whenever people talk about like progress and um, especially like new or, or developing runners or somebody that's saying like, Hey, I'm a marathoner. I want to do a 50 K or a 50 mile. Um, I like just, just don't, don't go into it really with any expectations, go into it with the only expectation of experiencing something new and potentially life-changing. Um, mm -hmm. If you go into it with those experiences, you're going to come out of it with an amazing experience, whether you won last fin, like whatever, like that's where it should be. And then once you've become a little bit more established and then it's like, okay, I've, I've done a couple of these. I know I can go faster. Then it's like, okay, you know, how, the how is the next step is like, okay, what, where are the coaches, where are the, yes. um, the dietitians and things like that. And don't get me wrong. You can have a coach the whole time, but, um, I feel like a coach does more once you've kind of dipped your toes in the water and you understand kind of what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy. Um, but yeah, progress is such an interesting one because again, I love big audacious goals, but I think the best thing that I can make recommendations to people is like, don't look at, don't look at me. Don't look at Joe about like what we've ever, like what I've done in my life doesn't mean shit to anybody else but me, right? The only person you should compare yourself is to yourself from yesterday. Did you work a little bit somewhere and make yourself, you know, X percent better today in one area or two areas or whatever? And then you just, just take it and go with it because that's what life's all about, right? And I, and I say that I can still be a better athlete today than I was 10 years ago even if I'm not a faster athlete. Now that's, that's really important. That's mm. something that a, a lot of people don't understand is like, I'm okay being like, 
I'm a smarter athlete. I, I can get through a 50 without throwing up now or shitting my pants or like whatever. <laughs> that might be a better, a better result, even though I didn't win the race. Like I didn't have to get hosed down at the, the finish line. Um, and so it's just a kind of a continually, again, like I said, with the mindset thing or the, it's just, or the training over time is don't be rigid in your ways, be flexible with your definition of growth and progress and be realistic with, with your timeframes and goals and, and everything's possible as long as you set the right goals, the time frame, and, um, you know, track your progress. Everything comes down to journaling for me. Like, like make sure you have something to track it against. Oh, talk, talk to me about that. I'm yeah, curious. I, was, I kind like, of yeah, threw that yeah. little nugget there in the end. Yeah, I, yeah you, I, I took the bait. I took the bait right away, but I'm interested. <laughs> like, tell, tell me, tell me about like your journaling practice. What are you writing yeah. down? How often? Like, give us, give us the inside scoop. So I, 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 I don't journal as most people think of journaling, right? I'm not like night's time being like today. I, you know, I pet <laughs> seven puppies and it drank three cups of coffee and it was a beautiful day. That does sound like a beautiful day. Don't get me wrong, but um, I do. I do a couple of things. One, I and I and I do. I use the term journaling loosely, and some people might push back on this. Sometimes I don't write anything down, but I mentally journal. So one of the things that I do is before I go out on a run, I set the intention for the run every time, mm-hmm. um, and it's usually mentally. And and what that allows me to do is, is the success of this run will look like this. Um, how will I define the success of it? And then when I get back from the run, before I look at any metric, any watch, any whatever, was this run successful? Did I hit that? Um, and then I can look at the metrics. And what I find a lot of times is be like, oh, damn, like, like, or I, like, I had a really shit run. It wasn't good. Then you look at the metrics and you're like, damn, like that was actually a pretty good run. And it's just, you just learn a lot about yourself by expressing thoughts before and after your run. Um, and not letting the data define it, right? Like the, the at the end of the day, data defines the like the basics, the pace, the heart rate, the distance, you know, elevation, all that stuff. But you can have a good run and not hit every pace that you wanted to hit. Um, just be okay with hey, my intentions. I had a really crappy day at work. My intentions today are just not to think about work for an hour and a half. Get back, mm-hmm. like did I do that? Hell yeah, I did. Like I didn't think about work once in this ninety minutes. That is a successful run, even though I didn't break ten minutes in a single mile in that ten in that ninety minutes. Like, so just so I so I do that like mental journaling practice of setting intentions. Um, and then the other thing that I I do journal is if I make a change in my life. So if I cut out mm. something or I add a, a, a I don't know a, a new supplement or, or something, I do start journaling that I put tags in my aura ring app. I put tags in, um, various places so that when I look back, let's say I look back at 30 days of data after that, I can look back and be like, okay, what was the improvement? Um, we live in the, the, the era where everything can be online now. And there's so many apps that make life easier. Um, there's this app called camp Cambrian cam. I don't know. It's some Scottish dude. I've, it's, it's just starting to launch, but it takes in, uh, sleep data from, whatever sleep source you want, whether it's whoop or aura or eight sleep or something. And it combines it with like, um, my fitness pal and Strava. And so you mm. can start like at, at a, like a, like a statistical level creating correlations between like, okay, days that I meditate more than 15 minutes. Um, I tend to sleep X, Y, and Z or, um, you know, and you can like create like whatever, correlation you can find two things in the past like whatever and say like okay i'm gonna look at um you know speed work 
days that I like tag speed work and um, days that I meditate or days that I meditate and then the workout the next day. And it's like, can you see a correlation between today's meditation and tomorrow's workout? And it's just, man, like there's just so much data available. And I said this before talking about like, you know, my dietary changes and things like that. It's just like, we live in a, in a, in an era where there's everything you want to learn about yourself is pretty much given to you if you take the time to look for it. And, and so that's how I look at stuff is like I log and then I go back and I look at correlations like, like, okay, man, like I can tell you right now days that I, I get up and I do breath work in the morning. Um, I tend to have lower heart rate on my runs in the afternoon. Mm. Um, and I, I mean, I can't tell you why I'm not a lab scientist, but I can tell you that that is a, that is a strong correlation of at least five minutes of breath work in the morning my heart rate in the afternoon on, on runs is, is, is like five to eight beats on average lower for similar paces. Dude, that is awesome. And I, I think it's so cool that you're diligently tracking like what causes what, right? Your sleep levels, like your changes. Like I know you mentioned before, like the switching to vegetarian diet was super helpful. And you mentioned the breathwork example. Are there any other like huge kind of pivots or, or changes that you've made like in your lifestyle, like along the past, you know, 10 years of running, like on top of like yeah. the, you know, vegetarian and things that have been like a game changer for you personally, right? And, and obviously this could be different for other people, but I'm curious like for you what are some changes that you look on back on that you're like you saw the data you saw the impact and you're like i'm fucking keeping this thing yeah i think i mean the biggest one that's probably every this isn't going to be a no like everybody knows this and most people just ignore it is like i cut out alcohol um Mm. (laughs) like that that made a like a night and day difference of like resting heart rate deep sleep and how i recovered overnight um like i I still, I, I, I didn't drink at all this year until after Coca-Dona. I've had a couple drinks since then. Now that I'm well in earned a hard, Coca-Dona. right. Yeah. That's like, that's, that's all I, my, my stance is like, I'm, I'm not anti-alcohol. I'm like, if alcohol is a, like a part of like a really epic celebration or like a, like the feature, like if I want a wine tasting tour in France, I'm going to go to freaking France and taste wine. But that should be like rare. I'm gonna I'm gonna save that for special occasions. I used to just like, hey, it's Tuesday night and we're bored. Let's go get it. let's go to the brewery. And then those Wednesday morning runs were like, Ugh. like, like I, I wasn't hungover because I only had one or two drinks. But I just I wasn't getting that deep sleep the night before, so I wasn't as fully repaired. Mm-hmm. So I've like the big man. The big thing that I've learned is that, and this is gonna be probably really big picture and not really like here's this one thing but it's like just if you're training two hours a day you have 22 other hours that you can be focusing on things to recover your body for those next two hours the next day Mm. and it's just like the more you can kind of dig into passive ways of recovering right like even freaking like compression socks if you're at a standing desk like try that see if that works right it doesn't work for everybody works for me sometimes um a, a, a lacrosse ball at your desk, um, eating, like drinking more water, little things like these little things that like aren't necessarily making you a better athlete today, but they're allowing you to train harder tomorrow so that you'll become a better athlete in the future. Mm, so good. And talk, talk to me a little bit more about like the recovery kind of things. Cause like, I, I, I think it's like one of those, it, it's something I've been thinking about a lot, right? Because when we feel like we're not there in fitness or training, usually the mind automatically goes to, I need to train harder. I need to train more. I need to do speed, more speed workout. But I often think we don't 
it, it's it's hard, or I should say it's not the most common thought to say, hey, I need to recover more. So so talk to me yeah. a little bit about that. Like I know you mentioned some recovery things, but what's your recovery yeah. routine kind of look like? Yeah, I mean, I appreciate it a lot more now in my late 30s than I did in my early 30s. I'll put it, you know, just be honest there. But it's 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 doing a lot more things. It's, it's understanding that like, late night stretching helps me sleep better. Um, mm. And for me, it all kind of comes back to sleep because I've I've I have a strong correlation of how well do I sleep to wake up and like how badly do I want to train? And if I'm not rested, I don't want to train. If I'm really well rested, I want to train. And then, you know, if you want to train, you tend to train better, more effectively than it's like, I don't want to do this. Right. And then the more days you like, "Mm, I don't want to do this injuries happen, right? Like stress is stress. Body physical stress is one thing. Mental, uh, emotional stress is another, but at the end of the day, you're, if your body's stressed, it's going to be injured. And if you're not recovering, you're going to be more likely to be injured. So I just, I learned to respect recovery. So it's foam rolling. Um, I, I take sauna and cold plunges, right? Um, those are, mm. those are things in just in the past year that have entered into my life, um, that I, I really appreciate. And I've just, just been willing to read and again, and of one research, right? This is all me. I'm not telling everybody that they're going to benefit from any of this stuff, but mm. be willing to try something different and see if it works. And if it doesn't move on with your life and try something else, there's, there's something out there that should work for everybody that helps them recover better. Um, be willing to find that thing uh, is, is the big one. But thinking about recovery, I have one of the things that I always do is I, after a race, I have a, like a three checkbox, non-negotiable for getting back into training um, that I think is really important for me again, end of one. Um, so, and, and I, I, I want to very clearly differentiate running and training so I can go out. So after a race, I'll go out for a run. But what I consider training is that it's on a calendar. If I don't want to do it, I'm going to do it anyways. Mm. When I'm recovering from a race, I'm running. And if I wake up and I really don't want to run, I don't run. Um, Mm. So that's, those are important things. So, so before I get back to training after a race, I need a couple of things. I need, um, I need to physically feel fine. Like I, I can do a physical scan and say, there is nothing lingering, painful, tight or sore in my body. Um, Mm. The second one is uh sleep does my hrv metric and my resting heart rate is that back to what it was at baseline previously because i think we all know so there was a really there was a recent tour de france study on athletes after the tour de france and they find that like it takes athletes average of six to seven days to get back to sleeping baseline after a hard effort i think it was two it was some big race um so it takes a few days and i don't i don't I don't say like, Oh, I felt like I slept great. I actually look at the hard data and I said, is my data back to what it was? Mm. And the third one, and this goes back to a theme that we've talked about a few times is the mindset. Like, do I want to train right now? Like really? Mm. Like seriously, that's, it sounds like such a dumb remedial question to ask yourself, but it's really important. Like are so many athletes, alpha athletes are like, no, like I got done with the race. I took my two <laughs> days off. I'm back to training man like do you even want to do that or are you just doing that because like you're thinking ahead so far that um you're not thinking about your enjoyment like so i i have to just i have to check those three boxes and that's kind of my non-negotiable i physically feel fine my sleep scores my sleep metrics my hrv are back to baseline and mentally i can honestly have that conversation with myself to say i'm excited to get back to training and i don't know if that that's sometimes it's a week sometimes it's two weeks um you know it's it's I do not put a 
parameter on that. And I think that's, that's kept me healthy longer into my career than just forcing myself like, Oh, I got a next goal race coming up. I got to get back to training. Um, because I allow myself whatever my body and my mind needs to get back so I can turn around and hammer. That's so good. Right. Because like we, with the physical stuff, right. Making sure sleeps back or like making sure that we don't have any like lingering injuries or anything. That's something that's like, yeah, of course, like we want to have that, but I love that point on being able to assess mentally where you're at. Cause you, to your point, like all stress is stress, right? Whether it is yeah. physical or whether it is mental. And sometimes the biggest mental stress is like continuing to push your mind to, you know, do the things it doesn't want to do, which is, you know, useful in terms of training, like you said, but before you start training, if you like, jump into it too early, you can burn yourself out, lead to like resentment or even just even worse. Like, you know, it comes, comes down to your body failing or anything like that. So I love that like perspective of the mentality kind of like wrapping around as another, like, so, you know, t talking about getting back into training you recently did Cocodona and now you're going into Kawhi, Kawhi 50. So like, what's, what's the, tr or five Oh, right. Shout out Brady. I know that's the, uh, the new name of it, Kawhi five Oh, which is super cool. But how is training? Oh, been is going it really? That? That's awesome. That's, that's a brilliant name change. <laughs> oh, I know five Oh 50, right. Like hang, hang loose in Hawaii. It's going to be yeah. super cool. Fun, but how's training been going for that? And I do have a, a follow-up question about another race later down too, after this, uh, that I want to tack on, yeah, but how's training yeah, been going for so, that Coco? Yeah. So going from, Man, going from training for 250 miles to training for a fast, hot 50. Right. It is, it's harder of a transition than I, than I expected. And I knew it was going to be hard. Um, but what I'm finding is, is getting my leg speed back from Cocodona training to try to get to Kauai fit like, training has been, a, has been a challenge. Because if you think about like training for a 250 miler, Anytime you feel your heart rate getting even a little bit high or the, the hill goes a little bit steep, what you, you're walking, right? Even in training, you're training. And I, I would train with like even a weight pack at times just to get used to walking up with a heavy pack. Um, and so, and I, I, I have a pretty short stride anyways when I go slow. And now transitioning to 50 mile, like hard, fast 50 mile training. It's like, man, my hips are, my hips are old. I sound like an old man. My hips are uh, not happy. Uh, hip flexors are tight. The hamstrings are, are tugging. Um, but the, the, the gate is slowly opening up. So it's three ways. What three, as we record here today, it's like three weeks away, uh, four weeks away. And, um, I think, I think if I, if I do the right things with like a little bit more dedicated stretching, cause I, I've highlighted the issue. I have some leg speed, but the turnover, like I'm, I'm faster than I was uh, like three weeks ago, but the leg turnover is still feels like a little bit of like jello running. Mm. Um, and so I, I, I think if I can just focus from here on to the race with a little bit more like gate openers and, um, some hamstring, like just, just natural, like, um, different like leg swings and things like that, that can kind of naturally get the gate to open up a little bit. I think I'll be in a lot better spot than I am today, but I, I again, I'm there to have a great time with my wife. Uh, there's a lot of people racing that I've met either just in passing or in other events and things like that. So it's just going to be, man, it's like that field is so, so amazing. And just to be able to hang with those, with those guys for, for a bit and, and meet some people, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be such a great experience. Oh yeah. It's going to be so epic. And it's the inaugural race too. So like we get to be yeah. part of like that, like inaugural crew, which is going to be so cool to man. have out there, which is, uh, so the, it's going to be cool. The, the only other inaugural race 
to my knowledge, I've really done is I was at the first ever Tunnel Hill race. No shit. And really? That was my first, my first ever 50 miler. My first ever ultra marathon was the Tunnel Hill 50 the first year they held it. Um, so um, me and that race go way back. Uh, that, 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 that race holds a special spot in my heart. Just because oh my gosh. My that is awesome. That is so cool to hear that that was the first. Yeah. The race director, Steve Durbin and his wife, Terry have like, they immediately, like you, the first time you're at a race, you kind of create this like familial bond with the race director. Cause it's like, Hey, we took a chance on your race. Like you put on a great event. Like you just create that, that relationship. And so every, every year, like I, I went back. So at the 50 and then I've been back to the hundred twice. I've done that race three times. It's most I've ever done an ultra other than Leadville. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's man, the, the, the event that Steve Durbin has created there is just really special. Um, and I, I, I don't know if I'll ever go back. I, I might, but I, I guess I said, I don't know if I'll ever go back to race. I would go back to like support and be a part of Steve's crew. Cause it, it's just such a special race. No, that's awesome to hear that you kept coming back to the race. And the other last race that I want to ask you about real quick is Javelina. You recently posted that you got inspired at Western State seeing this stuff, and there was an inkling of a golden ticket. So I, I had to ask. Uh, yeah. I had to ask. I mean, what What's the thought on that? Man, like, I I feel like, you know, let's go for it, right? Like, again, looking back in my life, who knows? I ran, I ran 13, 16 at Tunnel Hill. Um, I ran step for step with Arlen Glick at, you know, for the first part of that race. And it was, was just a little behind him at the finish. He got his first golden, you know, he got his golden ticket into Western the first time at, at Javelina. Um, I'm, I'm inspired by him. I was inspired just hanging out at, at States watching guys. You were, I think you were with Trey or weren't you? Like, yeah, yeah. Like talk about inspiration. That dude was what 16th or something like that on a freaking broken toe. Um, not just a broken toe, a broken big toe yeah. on that course is just, you want to talk about a guy that can put some mindset like changes in place. Like that is incredible. Um, so yeah, man, like I, I, um, why not? Like, I, I don't know if it's possible. That's it's a, it's a stacked course, but I'm curious. Like, can I run, can I run 13, 16 again? Can I run sub 13? Who knows? I don't know. Well, my legs rebound. I'm, I'm just like itching to find out. And I, um, so I actually hired a coach, right? So, um, circling back to Scott Trayer. So I, uh, I'm working with, with Scott now. Oh, you're and working with Scott. No yeah, shit. Yeah. Look so at I, that. Hired him, I hired him right after Cocodona and I, I kind of told him, I was like, man, like I just need help getting fast again. Um, and so he's been, he's been working with me, um, to try to get my legs to, to figure out how to run fast again. And, um, with, with, you know, obviously Kauai is, is, it's a loop race. It's hot. It's a good practice day for Javelina. And then we have, you know, from beginning of August to the end of October to, to stretch that out and see if I can creep into that, you know, mid seven pace again. I, I, I don't know if it's possible. I want it to be, I'm going to train my ass off and I'm going to show up in the best shape of my life to, to make it possible. Um, control my own destiny, but at the end of the day, it's a race and I can't control who has the day of their life. And, um, I can just go out there and be proud of, of however I run. 
Hell yeah, dude. Well, there I, I am really confident that you can get the golden ticket out there, not just because you have like the resume that supports it, but you have that mindset and you have that progression and that ability to progress and also chip away at the pain cave more so than other people out there, man. So I think just because of that, man, you have a great shot. I'll be actually be racing Javelina too. So it looks like our next two races are, uh, are toe to toe with each other. There's a handful of people. Are 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 you going for the ticket too? Like, are you are we gonna be? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So going. For, I'm going for the ticket. Uh, My coach it. is going for the ticket too. So it's uh. Who, yeah, who's it's, your coach? Uh, I work with Zach Bitter. So he's yeah. Uh, yeah. So I talked yeah. to him quite a bit at stage, and then uh, yeah, man. There's so many dudes that are going for the ticket. Um, <laughs> which is so what it should fast. be. Like so, uh, Jeff Stern, who will be at Kauai, he's also in Havelina going for the ticket. So there's a handful of us that are, um, that are that are trying to, to rip our legs off at Kauai that are going to turn around and do uh, do Havelina. But yeah, it's it's one of those things that. So for me, right, I know I can run fast, and I know I can do really well in the heat. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done right. I I was on the podium at Badwater. I I was second at Keys. I've done really well at hot weather races. So this is kind of my last shot in the dark of like, can I, can I put together a fast race and survive the heat? And, um, man, there's, it's, it's only two. That's freaking it's tough. Hey, <laughs> hey, it's better than, it's better than just one. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Um, so, so yeah, so I, 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 I got my inspiration at, at States watching. I trailed, uh, I just followed the lead pack. I was out there for, um, a little bit of work. Um, I do some work with Boko gear and, um, they make a lot of hats for a lot of the partners, um, including our Vipo, which is what you're wearing right now. And, um, they, uh, so they sent me out there and I had nothing to do on race day, but just follow the leaders and, and watch and learn. And, um, it's very rarely as an elite that you get a chance to just watch the aid stations of other elites or take that time. And man, I learned so much like strategy of like watching Courtney and Tom and um, Daniel Jones and and everybody that was just flying through. And um, there was some cool stuff that I was like, damn, like I've never, never done that or thought about that. Like rat, like you can learn a lot. There's so much to learn in the sport. For sure. And and I'm glad that you brought that up because that was like one of the reasons why I went even like to crew Scott too was like, you know, I wanted to learn what it was like to see, you know, an elite runner and, and to learn all those like techniques and strategies and like things that you learn. I mean, it's just jam packed too. So dude, I'm stoked to, to race with you at uh, Kauai. I'm stoked to race yeah. with you. Super cool. You work at Boko. So I actually pulled this out when you mentioned Scott. So not only is this a Boko hat that I have here, but it is awesome. a, uh, Look at this run, run faster, run faster hat. Like this is, this is, this is not only the Scott hat, this is the Don hat right here. Yeah, man. Yeah. So that's, so I, I do a little bit of work for them. My full time, I, I mentioned this, I should, I guess for, uh, for, for legality reasons, should mention, I actually work for aura ring full time. So oh, when nice. I talk about, when I talk about aura, um, I'm a fan. I was a fan before I worked there, but, um, just for like, what is the DFCC or whatever could come after me for like promoting a product. That, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, like I, I, hashtag, like aura employee um i don't care if people wear aura or whoop it doesn't matter to me it's not my job to get you to wear either um i i just believe in data so i i just feel like i have to say that because i feel guilty sometimes when people are like you work for aura i like you talked all about aura and didn't tell me that and like yeah i work i work for aura. <laughs> hey man if you if you work there you believe in it so uh yeah no i appreciate you disclaiming that but yeah i it's something that i've been interested in looking more into data and stuff too and so especially sleep because yeah. sleep's important man but so dude, this important. conversation has been 
freaking awesome, man. I loved every second of it. It was absolutely amazing. And I will put all the links to your socials in the show notes. So please follow along with Don's journey. Run with Don as he's known on social too. Um, But follow along his journey. He's got great reel, great content, super inspiring. That's actually how, so I first discovered your stuff because I saw your treadmill, like, you know, uh, piece of content the treble thing i was yeah. like this guy's fucking nuts in a good way yeah. and uh just been hooked following <laughs> along ever since man so um it's been awesome to follow everybody yeah. listening follow don and don for my last question here that i ask every single guest on the everyday ultra podcast and we talked about a lot of these things today so it could be a rehash of what we talked about okay. or it could be a new thing but the show is called everyday ultra and yep. the ethos of the show is how can our listeners be better endurance athletes every day and so yep. my question to you don is what can our listeners do every single day to be a better endurance athlete. All right. I'm going to answer that in one second. I want to go back. You gave everybody, or you're going to give people my socials. And I, I need to say something about that because I think it's really important is that if you have a question, if anybody's listening, reach out to me, like I, I will get back to you. Like I, I believe in like helping people in this sport. Like this is a community sport and a community. Um, ask me a question. I'll give you my thoughts. Like I'll share stuff. Like that's where I'm at in my life and my career is I just want to help other people learn to love running as much as I do. And maybe it'll change your life as much as it changed mine. So I, 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 I don't want to just have you follow along. I want you to, to reach out, learn, grow. Like if, if I can watch you finish a race that, you know, I had like 0.00001% of a influence over, that'll make me feel, um, completely empowered. So, um, I, and I, I totally genuinely reach out. I'll get back to you. I love that stuff. I love talking running. So, um, the other, so, so, so that's my little like soapbox. Like I just want to help people and talk to people, um, to answer your question. I think the, 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 the most important thing about running and, you know, we talk about everyday ultra and, and it's just this idea of what is a runner. And to me, if you run one freaking step, you're a runner. Like, I don't care if, I don't care if you're running a 30 minute mile or a five minute mile, you're a runner. Right. And so it's like, just don't, don't get caught up in how far you ran, how fast you ran, who gives a shit. If you had fun and you enjoyed it, you're a freaking runner. Um, I think there's just too many people that I don't know. The internet can be an amazing place. It can help people grow, but it can also be a place where people are afraid to express themselves or to say like, Hey, I'm trying something new and I'm scared because it, you can get tore down. Like, Hey, like I'm, I started this sport because I was 200 pounds and I couldn't run a mile and you know, it's gotten me where I am today. And so if you wake up tomorrow and like, figure out what that one thing you want to do tomorrow. That's just a little bit than what more than you did today or last week or last month. And just use that as your springboard. Like, what is that thing? I don't care what it is. It could be walking to the mailbox, could be running to the park, um, run one step. You're a runner. And, and that's, that's something that I think people forget. And sometimes people on the internet mock of like, Oh, you're overweight. You're slow. Like, fuck them. Like who gives a shit? Go do you be you have fun and smile. And then, fuck go tell me about it and i'll tell you you're amazing because you are oh dude that is fucking awesome i love that right especially in a world where there's so much negativity and things on social media and people saying that someone's a runner or not like 
recognizing that, hey, if you're out there, if you're getting after it, if you're taking one step, if you're doing it, you are a runner, my friend. And I think it's so awesome that you make yourself available to not only answer the questions, but it's also lift people up as well. I mean, it was awesome too, just to, to get the note from you. Like when I was, yeah, I posted one of my training runs and you like, commented a really nice comment like hyping me up which is awesome i was like oh like heck yeah this is awesome like guy been looking up to in the sports like cheering me on so you you live by it my friend not just like through this episode but through what you do man and i just want to say on behalf of you know myself and also everybody man thank you for coming on the show and for all you do don and hey i'll see you in hawaii real soon my man we're gonna have fun running 50 miles out there it's gonna be hot. <laughs> See you in Hawaii, man. This is a, this is amazing. This is this is absolutely one of my favorite conversations I've ever had. Um, thank you for inviting me on, and and thank you for what you're doing and, and supporting the growth and the support and just supporting people that are getting into it. I think that's really important. And uh, man, I I love it. I appreciate you, Don. Well, thank you so much, man. I'm only as good as my guests that come on, and you were fantastic. So I appreciate you, man. Thank and you. we'll see you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to do so. And if you absolutely love the show and want to support us in any ways, there's a few ways that you can do so. The first way is writing us a review on the platform of your choice. Reviews really, really matter and they help us to spread the word a lot more. So if you have the time to do so, would love that as well. Number two, you can join our Patreon community. Patreon helps us to support the show and helps us to grow and invest into new developments and growth. And on top of that, just for about $5 a month, you can get access to monthly calls with me where you can ask me anything on a monthly basis, connect with other members in the Everyday Ultra community, and ultimately get early access episodes without ads as well, which is super, super cool, all for about $5 a month. So that's a great way to support us. And then number three is taking care of our sponsors on here. So as you heard in the beginning of the podcast, uh, we had some sponsors in here. And if you want to invest into their product and uh, go try them out, they're all products that I've tried either in my training and I live by. I don't take any sponsorships from anybody I don't incorporate in my training. So uh, feel free to take advantage of their product and tell them that Joe sent you from Everyday Ultra. Those are three ways to support the podcast, but no matter which way that you choose or if you don't choose a way at all, just know that I really appreciate you for listening in. I know there's tons of podcasts out there and the fact that you're listening to us, that really, really means a lot. All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And remember, become a better endurance athlete every day. And we'll see you real soon. Take care.